0: All right. Yes, behave. Did you hear that? Closing instructions there? Excellent. Good morning, students. Excellent. Do not freak out, okay? Do not what? Freak out that you have a lot of notes in front of you, okay? It will be okay. It will be okay. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to be in Proverbs. So I said, you know what? It would probably be helpful if we just give you these in front of you, not only for you to look at later, but also just for the sake of expediency, right? So that we can cover a lot of ground. So, good to see your faces this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the value of wisdom, right? The value of wisdom. Let me ask today, because the leaders aren't here, it's just me. So, we're, this is dangerous territory, okay? Um, if, when you find something that's valuable, right? When you discover something that's valuable... What is, what ought your response towards that valuable thing be, right? What is your response likely to be towards that which is valuable? You tell me. Yes. Excitement. Excitement. Excellent. Ian. What? You treasure it. Excellent. Yes. Careful with it. careful with it. Wonderful. Anything else? Excitement. Cherish. Careful right? Excellent, right? We become highly interested in that valuable thing, we're committed to the pursuit of that thing, which is valuable, right? Extend great energy to obtain it. Once we do find it, we zealously guard it. We protect it. We share it with others. We're willing to sacrifice for it, even pursue it through difficulty, right? We're not easily deterred. Why? Because this is valuable. This is rich to me, and that is wisdom, And if you look at any book of the Bible, obviously the one that comes to mind when you think of wisdom, and there's a lot of wisdom in God's Word, it's able to make the wise simple, uh, the simple wise, right? Psalm 19. Proverbs is that book that comes to mind. And in your notes today, really, to kind of outline really the crux of the book, it it describes the character of the fool versus the wise person, okay? The fool versus the wise person. But it also unpacks the ways in which that wisdom is to show up in your relationship. Show up in your what? Excellent. Make sure you're not asleep. You guys tell me, what are some types of relationships that exist in your life? And there's different types. Yes. Friends. Excellent. Yes, Mr. Bonish. Family. Excellent. William. He stole yours. Ah, okay. That's okay. Lawson. Authority over you. I see where you guys are going with the notes here. This is good. Ian. Other people in your life, right? We've got authority. We've got friends. We've got family. We've got neighbors. There are a lot of different types of relationships. And guess what? I hate to uh, break it to you, but relationships are incredibly messy, right? Relationships are messy. Have Have you experienced that in real life? Yeah, (laughs) I see a few of you with a a hearty affirmation, right? Relationships are messy, to which I ask, why? Why are relationships messy? Unpack your theology for a moment, Asher. We are all sinners, okay? Hate to crash the party. It's messy because of us, right? We have inclinations towards selfishness, hatred, deceit, right? Scorn. This was us prior to Christ. And so thankfully, thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships, right? You just take going back to the nation of Israel. You'll see it in your outline this morning. Uh, Going back, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, right? This governing law over the people of God, i.e. the nation of Israel, right? You have literally four commandments of how many commandments total in Exodus 21 through 17? Ten. Congratulations, right? Ten. So four of them are regarding your relationship between you and God. Leaving how many left of the ten? Six. You guys are shocked, right? Six talking about, unpacking, directing you regarding relationships towards other people. So is it important to God how we relate to others? Yes, absolutely, right? You, you guys have been in the Gospel of Matthew. You've seen it here recently. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, right? Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor, there's that relationship, as yourself. On these two depend all the law and the prophets. So students, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage and implore you this morning to... Do a few things. One, examine yourself, but also in conjunction to that, examine your relationships. Examine your what? Excellence. We're still awake, right? God-honoring relationships should be a blessing to everyone involved. And don't you want to be a blessing to everyone involved in your life? And you want them to be a blessing to you, right? Thankfully, God has given us wisdom to know and enjoy that blessing, right? That should prompt a a big hearty thank you to the God who is gracious to us, right? He has not left us without instruction. So let's look at a a couple of relationships today. This will be more thematic as as opposed to an exposition, in the sense that we will just cover some ground across the whole book of Proverbs, specifically starting with your relationship with authority, right? Okay, buckle up. Shrug your shoulders, take a deep breath, embrace yourself, okay? Authority. Do we always, 100% of the time, love, love, love authority? Okay. Asher, why is that? Sometimes there's stuff that we don't agree with, right? Even to harken back to something you said earlier, everything goes back to we're sinners, right? Excellent. So... Let's look at a few things. Proverbs 20, verse 2. Really graphic image right out the gate. You see it in your notes. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. He who provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. That's pretty vivid imagery, no? Terror of a king, growling of a lion. Summation of it, this is the descriptive effects of anger. The anger of a king causes terror among his people, okay? Now, this is a vivid image, image. If you kind of like, what on earth is this talking about? This is a picture, I want you to wrap your minds around this, of a man provoking an angry lion. Can you guys envision that, right? A man provoking an angry lion. How does it typically go for said man? Not too well, right? Last time I checked. Uh, you guys have seen this in your own life. Let me ask this. Have you ever watched a teenager maybe a teenage friend, maybe even a sibling, interact with an angry parent or another angry person for that matter, right? And you witness a situation where it would be best for your teenage friend to keep their mouth shut, right? And instead of keeping their mouth shut, they proceed to do the opposite, right? They proceed to open their mouth. And what typically comes out of their mouth? they argue they complain they they talk back and and let's just unpack this still further what's often the result to that teenage friend of yours and not you of course because you would never do this but your teenage friend hypothetical all right what usually is the result to that teenage friend screen time is taken away. screen time is taken away we get right down to the nitty gritty love it okay excellent what what often happens with the parent in the situation? Are they prompted to even, for, uh, e- even further uh, potential being upset at said child, right? Okay. Is that teenage child provoking <laughs> a disgruntled lion in that instance? Yeah, it typically doesn't go well, right? The, the, the conversation ratchets up the level. The consequences increase, right? It leads to loss and harm to the teenager, right? Not unlike a man standing in front of a lion and beginning to poke it in the eye with a stick. It's not going to lead to anything good. This is a proverb warning against provoking those in authority over you. Now, if that's warning you, don't provoke those in authority over you. What should the takeaway be? How should I perceive? Well, those who are wise compared to the fool, you show respect. You show restraint in your relationship with those over you, even even as Asher was saying, even when you may not like, and even when you may not agree with those with the, those in authority have extended to you. Okay, let me ask you today: what what does such respect and restraint look like? If you were to show respect and restraint to those in authority over you, how does respect and restraint show up? Yes, obey. Excellent. Yes. Keep your mouth closed. Yes, joy. Respect what they tell you to do. What they tell you to, do. to the letter, right? Yes. Listen. What Listen. What's the opposite of listening? When a child walks away as a person in authority is talking to them, is that respect and restraint? No. Mr. McCullough. What? Don't talk back. Don't talk back. Excellent. You, there's no grumbling. There's no complaining. There's no usurping their, their authority. No trying to go above them. There's, there's quiet submission. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Right? Show respect and restraint. That's what the wise person does. Let's look at another proverb. Let's keep moving. Proverbs 24, 21 says, My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those who are given to change. Or the word there is rebellion. Okay? For their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin that comes from both of them, right? Main point here is proper respect for established authority. You have the Lord and you have the king. You have the Lord and who? The king, right? And who has placed that king, that earthly authority, over the citizens? The Lord, right? The king's throne, the Lord's anointed, right, reigns on the earth. He affects his rule. He's dispensing life and death and judgment. The kingdom's throne on earth is really just a small representation of God's throne in heaven. So when we respond to the police officer that has pulled us over, when we respond to the teacher in our classroom, to our parents in our home, we are responding to an authority that God himself, your God, has placed in your life. So, do you think it matters to your God How do you respond to said authority? Absolutely. Does God have expectations for you? He most certainly does, right? This is God's design, putting authority. In this case, the proverb says the king, right? We don't really have a king today, but we can extrapolate that out. We can unpack that. We have other forms of authority in our own context, right? God has ordained certain individuals to be over you. And, right, when you have, if God has ordained certain people to be in authority over you, if you have a beef with that person in authority, guess who you ultimately have a beef with? You have an issue with God, right? To be upset at your parent is to be upset at, ultimately, the one who's ordained for that said person. Yes, they imperfect as they may be, and they are. That person is still assigned by God to be over you, right? Look, what else the proverb says. It says, Do not associate with those who are given to change, right? It it represents those who think differently and are prone to rebel. Do you know those people? They're just pre inclined to buck the system, right? If you tell me go here, I'm going to go there. I don't really know why, but it's because maybe you just told me to go to the right, right? They're just system buckers. They're constant contrarians. They like to buck the system at every chance that they get, and it really doesn't matter much of who's in authority, right? Thankfully, the proverb speaks to their end. Be careful associating with people who are constantly inclined to rebel, because it speaks of their ruin. Their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin that comes from both of them? Students, I would ask you today, let me have your eyes for a moment. Who are your friends? Think through them. The Rolodex that is your friend. Do we even know what a Rolodex is? Hopefully not. Okay, it's just an old school list of contacts. You have it in your phone. We used to have it on little cards. Okay. Who are your friends? Let me follow that up. Are, Are they respecters of authority? And not just in action, but an attitude, right? How do they talk about their parents? How do they talk about people in authority? Do they encourage the fear of the Lord in your life? Do they encourage you to show restraint and respect? Or are they an instrument to encourage you to do the opposite? Do not associate with those who are inclined to change, right? Who are given to change. Here's the takeaway for you, for you and I, okay? Number one... Stay away from people who buck the system, okay? If they're constantly wanting to go against authority, run away. Don't hang out with them because what are you inclined to probably do? Right. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? The second thing is it's the opposite, right? Stay close to those who encourage respect of authority, right? If you have a friend who's constantly bad-mouthing their parent, that should be a sign to you. That should be a warning, a bright bright neon sign. Do not let them influence you. Some of you might need to sever some of your relationships, and I'll just be frank with you. They are not the godly, godly, healthy relationships that promote the honoring of God in your life that you should have. That is authority. Let's kind of look to another relationship is the family. Family, Proverbs 21.9, okay? And if you um, come on in, I don't, if you have an outline, do we have an extras? Do we have a stack, guys? Lawson has a few, Asher has a few, so if you, ladies, you want to grab one. We're on the third proverb, Proverbs 21.9, thank you, young man. It is better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. What on earth, Okay? Better to live on the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. What is this saying and how does this apply to me, right? The corner of a roof in that time would be a small room primarily for guests, okay? It would be small. It would be cramped, probably hot because it would be high up in the house. It would be cramped. It would be lonely, but it would be peaceful and avoiding strife. If you wanted to avoid strife... I think I'm on a retreat to the corner of the roof, right? I'm just going to perch up there in my nice little oasis, my nice little home, right? Contentious, that's a big word that perhaps we don't use. It's These are people who tend to lean towards argument or strife. Do you know such people? They're consummate arguers. Their, their lives are surrounded by quarreling and strife. It just seems to follow them like a magnet. We all know contentious people, and perhaps, for honest, perhaps you are a contentious person, inclined to argument and strife. And the point of the proverb is to get away from said people. Get away from the cause of strife. Dwelling in the corner of an open roof would not be comfortable, that much is sure, but it would be the wiser choice to make as opposed to living in the midst of strife. Of other people, okay. Let me ask you this: What does this look like with your friends, okay? Um, or or just well, really, well, let's don't say friends. Let's say your family, okay. Let's say you have a sibling, and they're hot and bothered, right? They're aggravated, they're irritated, and they're doing this ninety miles of nothing. You have a choice to make. I either do this with them, right? And I decide to live and spend my energy in the same room of strife of which they're desiring to promote. Or, or I, could, I could do the opposite and do what? I'm just going to back my way out, right? You know what? I'm not going to spend a lot of energy going back and forth with you. We're not going to get a lot of places, right? That, that's the principle. That's the wisdom here. You know what? I don't have to like, live my life and thrive in this realm of strife. Actually, I don't need that, right? Better to live on the corner of a roof than with a contentious woman. Now, it says woman, but it could be anyone. Woman, man, right? Sibling, friend, neighbor. Friends, I want to encourage you. Some of you are fighters, right? You get in arguments and I will win at all costs. And an hour and a half later, you are still arguing. When you could be doing something way better, more profitable, and far more enjoyable, right? You guys follow me? Stay away from contention, c- contentions. Okay. Remove yourself away from strife. All right. You guys still awake? There's more wisdom here. Let's talk about the family some more. All right. Proverbs 30 verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley pick it out and the young eagle will eat it. What's it talking about here? What's the what's the image? Somebody tell me. What creatures are involved? Let's start there. Yes. Eagle. Raven. Okay. Excellent. And what are they doing? What? Scavenging. Specifically what? Taylor. Plucking out your eye and then proceeding to eat it. (laughs) Um, To which we all say, ooh, gross. Right? It's a vivid image. Now, the eye, what's, what's it saying here? The eye in, in, in the Bible is the organ that really kind of represents, it exhibits all of your inner feelings, right? Your eye portrays your inner feelings most clearly. It, it represents a look of scorn or disdain, right? The eye that mocks a father, right? Your feelings towards a father, your feelings towards a mother is one of disdain, is one of uh, scorn. Right, and let me ask you: What does such a look of scorn or disdain towards your parent look like in life? How do how do we express scorn or disdain towards a parent? Hager. Rolling your eyes at them. Okay, rolling our eyes at them. Excellent. What else? Grumbling. Grumbling. Excellent. Okay, trying to weasel our way out of it, right? Being crafty, clever. Yes? Uh, direct disobedience. What's that? Direct disobedience. Just a direct disobedience. I'm just going to utterly disregard what you have to say. Yeah, that's in the grossest form, absolutely. Anyone ever slammed a door? Yeah? Grumbling, disrespect, right? Anyone talk about their parents? with her friends, when the parent's not around? You express your disapproval, right? Or perhaps you have. Well, what is the end of such mockers? Go back to the raven and the eagle. Go ahead and just kind of cut to the punchline. It's not good, right? There's stern punishment, right? The valley in the Bible is a place where people were sent, okay, as a punishment. You were not even given a proper burial. Your carcass was just thrown out on the floor of the valley, right? And you became an object of prey to would-be scavengers. They would come and eat your remains. And and to which, you know, your eye, this is what represents your inner feelings, your attitude towards your parents, right? Literally is, if you express scorn or disdain, there is punishment, there's judgment, there's discipline, such that... It even says the ravens and the eagle literally pluck out that eye and proceed to consume it or eat it. What's the lesson here, right? Because we always get to that. Respect authority of your parents. Watch, careful, students, be careful. Watch every disrespectful thought and word and action and reaction. Be upfront with your parents. Ask forgiveness where forgiveness is needed. Ask for their help. As you strive to grow in your respect towards them. God, Mom, Dad, I'm not perfect. And they're going to say, no, no, I'm not either, right? Son, I shouldn't have raised my voice at you. Uh, sweetie, would you forgive me for, for being harsh in that moment? I was upset. I was angry. Encourage them to hold you accountable. God, say, I want to live by Proverbs 30, verse 17. I want to respect you, right? Would you help me? Respect those in authority. Let's look at a few more just regarding the family as well, okay? Proverbs 17, 17, okay? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It speaks to loyalty. Don't you enjoy loyal friends? It's far better than the alternative, right? Unloyal friends. Proverbs eighteen nineteen. a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and, a, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle, right? What's this saying is that controversy should be justly settled in the life of a community, right? Instead of allowing friction to continue, right? The wise, well, you don't leave the dispute unattended or unresolved. You're going to handle that matter. You're going to go to that person. You're not going to hold a grudge. You're going to clear the air. Less, greater trouble follows you, right? Right? You're committed to handle the dispute. Not go down at night upon your anger. Not go to sleep without the matter resolved. Quick to ask for forgiveness. Proverbs 23:24 The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice; he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad, let the, her who bore you rejoice. There's another proverb 17:25 This is the same way a foolish son Curses his, uh, is a grief to his father and bitterness to her, to her who bore him, right? We don't want to be a grief to our parents, right? We don't want to cause them sad, sadness when we leave their home. Well, that's what the fool does. Yeah, they go and climb fool's hill. Proverbs twenty twenty. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Literally in Exodus and Leviticus, the punishment for cursing your parents was execution. That's how serious to God it was, okay? It's a big deal. My encouragement to you and my prayer for you is that you would allow wisdom to prevail in your relationships within your family, right? Specifically, siblings and those in authority over you. Let's look at at your neighbors, okay? Proverbs 3.29. This is a different relationship. These are just people around you. Proverbs 3.29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor. neighbor. Let me have your eyes for a moment, okay? Let me ask you, what are reasons that people plan evil against their neighbors? There are certain reasons. Taylor? Does the neighbor did something to annoy them or the person wants something their neighbor has. Okay, okay. That neighbor has done something to annoy, to irritate, to offend. What else? Taylor, you mentioned jealousy. They have something that perhaps we want, okay? Yes? Revenge, retaliation, defending my honor, right? Anything else? Even selfishness, right? We want to promote ourselves. We want to exalt ourselves, even oftentimes at the expense of expense of other people, unfortunately. Let me ask you a follow up to that. What are what ways does this evil typically show itself? I plan evil against my neighbor. How is that often manifested? And how does it show up? Yes? We what? We spoil their reputation. And how do we do that? that. Spreading lies, right? In a moment, we're going to see the Proverbs talks about the whisperer, which is exactly that person. Yes. Ruining, yes. Ruining their personal property. Excellent. Yes, Joy. Okay. Okay, yeah. Getting upset with them. At every turn, William. Them. Physical harm, right? Absolutely. Physical harm, personal property, defaming them, holding grudges. Anyone ever done that? I'll smile in front of you, but I am harboring all sorts of nasty stuff inside, right? Plan evil against your neighbor. To which I have to ask well, who exactly, Wade, is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor, right? We, we typically excuse evil that we're involved in between ourselves and another person. We do it in a crafty way by, by viewing that person in a different light or, or classifying them in a different category. You see, they're really not my neighbor. And that's not how the Bible speaks of your neighbor. Guess what? The, the, the category of neighbor is about the broadest category in Scripture. It's pretty much anyone, anyone that you come in contact with. Okay? So there's really no craftily kind of classifying the person and saying, well, they're not really my neighbor. And so therefore, this proverb, this wisdom, this exhortation from God doesn't apply to this situation. No, everyone you interact with is your neighbor, right? The parable of the Good Samaritan even conveys that. And so we have to ask how do I live at peace with my neighbors? I'm not to plan evil against them, I I should live at peace with them. How did we do that? We live in a world that's having trouble doing this. Neighbors aren't always at peace with each other. To what Asher said a moment ago, why? It's because we are sinners. Let me give you a few encouragements of how to live at peace with other people around you. Okay? Number one, don't be annoying. Okay? Don't be annoying. Sounds simple enough, but look at the proverb here Proverbs 27 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a curse. What's this describing? What's the situation? I'm going to go with Asher because you raised it at the same time. (laughs) This is speaking your language, isn't it? Being really loud in the morning, okay? Excellent. What else? Okay, okay, there, there could be that as well. In its simplest form, it's just being obnoxious, right? It's that, it's that person that bursts into a room, really loud a voice, no social sensitivity. The person's dead asleep, but complete and utter disregard. It, is that kind of annoying? Has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah. Did it happen to camp to anyone? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, a few people, right? This is a warning. It, this is a What? I saw it back there. It's a warning, okay? So brace yourself. This is a warning that it is possible to be well-meaning, but yet be regarded as obnoxious when social sensitivity is lacking. Okay? You can be well-meaning, but still be obnoxious when you don't have social sensitivity. What is social sensitivity? Taylor. Taylor. I'm I'm, I'm dialed in. I'm sensitive to the needs of this person. What might be appropriate in this situation? It's probably not bursting through the door, clanging a bunch of pots and pans, and saying, good morning, Taylor. How are you today? That may be annoying, right? How do you live at peace with your neighbors? Be socially sensitive, right? Examples of this is maybe calling at inappropriate times of day. I do not want to call for my friend at 2 a.m. unless it's an emergency. If Pastor Dusty calls me at 2 a.m., and I say, Dusty, what's wrong? And he says, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just wide awake. I just figured we'd talk for a little bit. I'm going to be like, what, what are you doing, man? This is annoying, right? No, he would never do that, because why? He has social sensitivity. He's wise. When you yell out at someone to get their attention so that everyone else sees, right? Maybe you lack respect for those older than you, right? So you may call Mr. Dumop. You may call, hey, what's up, Abel? Right? That's not respectful, right? That's not being socially sensitive, okay? Secondly is don't be presumptuous, okay? I'm going to define presumptuous, so don't freak out. All right, Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house. Lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Okay? Woo. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house. Lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Okay? There's a word here, presumptuous. Say it with me. Presumptuous. One more time. Presumptuous. Anyone know what presumptuous is? Yes. Huh? Assuming. Assuming. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think even attached to that is to be unwarrantedly bold. Or forward, right? The point of the proverb is, you and I, we can get sick of honey, and honey's delicious, but you can get sick of honey when you eat too much of it, right? In the same way, a neighbor can get tired of you when you are around too much, right? You ever have a person that's just not aware of the need for personal space, right? Um, just give a moment to breathe, right? Again, take away the proverb. Maintain social sensitivity. Respect the other demands that life may bring. I'm not the only person in this person's life. I am not going to smother them, right? I'm not going to be annoying or presumptuous. I'm going to respect their personal space. I do not need to talk to William right here, two inches nose to nose. That's probably uncomfortable for William. You respect their personal property. You think you come over and they're playing your PlayStation and they throw the controller down such that it breaks. That's, that's unwarrantedly forward and bold, right? It's not socially sensitive, right? Don't be presumptuous. Third, don't despise or belittle your neighbor. It's plain and simple. Proverbs eleven twelve. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. And Proverbs fourteen twenty. The poor is despised even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. You guys know what it is to despise, right? It's to look down on someone. You look down on them. You regard them with contempt, or distaste or disgust or even disdain. You despise. You belittle. You you consider or speak of them as being less valuable or important than they really are. You disparage them. You make them small. We do that in all sorts of ways. You ever talk about someone or some witness someone talking about someone else? And the whole aim of their talking about the other person who's not there to defend himself is to make that person really small, to belittle them, to disparage them, right? You want to talk about a quick way to threaten peace between neighbors? Is to despise and belittle them. No one enjoys being belittled. Last time I checked. No one enjoys that in this room, right? Anyone like being belittled or despised? Not enjoyable, right? There are different reasons why we belittle people, right? I'm not saying this is true in this room, but let me just give you a few, okay? Let me have your eyes for a moment. People throughout the history of time have belittled other people simply because of their race, right? Because of their race. White, black, Latino, right? And if they're not like you, we, people in their sinfulness, belittle them. Their socioeconomic status, right? And what all that means is is degree of wealth and what people have versus what people don't have. Religious background, maybe intelligence, maybe even ability, which we feel is inferior to ours. They're not as smart as I am. They're not as good of an athlete as I am. So my quest is I'm going to try to make that person small in the eyes of other people. A lot of sinfulness there, right? A lot of gross ugliness. And so the ways that we belittle people, we snub our nose at them. We disregard them. We ignore them. We dismiss them. We talk about them in a derogatory fashion. We chirp. We spread rumors. I think it was mentioned a second ago. We sully their reputation, right? Here's the takeaway for you and I. You want to talk about how you live at peace with your neighbors let me have your attention for a moment. Respect them and love them, okay? It's the antithesis or the opposite of belittling and despising, okay? View, respect, and love all people. These are people made in the image of God, okay? Fourth, show compassion to your neighbor. Proverbs fourteen twenty one: Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. And then one more proverb, proverb 21:10, the soul of the wicked desires evil, his neighbor finds no what? What does it say there? His neighbor finds no, just say it to me. Mercy. Mercy in his eyes. This is a person that's not compassionate. Let me ask you today, what are some reasons that we fail to show compassion towards other people? Taylor Okay. Harboring resentment, holding a grudge. Excellent. Asher? Our own benefit. Excellent. We're going to come back to that. Mr. Bonish? I saw a hand. Oh, you got it. All right. Great minds think alike. All right. Anything else? Let's just, yes. Annoyed, right? Excellent. There's a lot of reasons why we fail to show compassion. I think one that was just even mentioned, too, is is when we're not compassionate, it's often because we're focused on who? Myself, right? We're self-focused. We're so fixated on ourselves, I I don't even see the needs of other people. I'm not even aware or cognizant of it. We, We don't want the inconvenience that would come with helping that person out, right? That disrupts my schedule. That's not part of my agenda, which is my own self promotion. Doing X, Y, and Z so that I can enjoy A, B, and C. That disrupts that. I'm not going to go out of my way to show compassion to this person. I think the opposite of this, and you've seen it in the Gospel of Matthew, is the Good Samaritan went out of his way when others didn't to show compassion to his neighbor, right? What are some tangible ways that we can show compassion? Just get as practical and specific as you want to. No harm there. Taylor. By loving them despite them sinning against you. Okay, loving them despite them sinning against you. So 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps not a record of wrong, right? What else? How do we show compassion? Yes. Helping a friend in a time of need. Helping a friend in a time of need. I mean, that's, that's pretty broad, right? A phone call. Hey, let me stop on over. It may not be what your plan was that afternoon, right? Let me encourage you. Hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, let's get together once a week about that thing, right? Even physical needs, right? Showing up when physical needs are even present. Fifth, deal honestly with your neighbor. I've got a few more and we're almost done here, I think. Deal honestly with your neighbor. Proverbs three twenty-eight. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. And Proverbs twenty-six eighteen, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. Right? This is so this is the sarcasm was okay. But there's a realm where people use deception and their kind of like catch-all phrase to get out of trouble. Their get-out-of-jail-free card is, hey, man, I was just joking. Were you, though? Really? Deal honestly with your neighbor. We have all sorts of ways in which we deal falsely with our neighbors. We stretch the truth. I caught a fish, and it was yay big, right? We withhold information. Let me tell you a story, but i leave out all sorts of details. I give empty promises. Empty because I have no intent on keeping, said promise, right? Deal honestly with your neighbors. Be a person of integrity in all things. Sixth, do not stir up strife, but settle disputes privately. Proverbs 26:20: 20, "For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarrelling ceases." Proverbs 28. Do not hastily bring into court, argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another one's secret. This This is a bit self-explanatory, right? We've all seen situations where more people were involved in a situation than needed to be, right? Maybe there's an argument or dispute between you and one other person. And you proceed to go and talk about that dispute with that one individual with six other people, right? Does the fire get a little bit bigger in that situation? Have you just stacked logs on top of a roaring fire of that dispute? Absolutely. More people were involved. And the more people involved, the bigger the fire, right? The takeaway of this, go straight. If you have a dispute, if you have an argument, listen, students, let me have your eyes. We're almost done. Go straight to that person. Deal with it with them. There's no need to unfold and chirp about it with other friends, Right? It only makes the fire bigger. And fire has a way of destroying things, right? Last time I checked. Seventh and finally, be an example of righteous living. Proverbs eleven nine, with his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge the righteous are delivered. And one more Proverbs 12, 26 One who is righteous is a I love this, is a guide to his neighbor. But the way of the wicked leads them astray, right? Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. An upright life, let me have your eyes for a moment. An upright life is a breath of fresh air in the midst of a world that is dominated by strife and contention. Righteous living, right? By them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward, Psalm 19 says. Righteous living. Be a blessing to your neighbor, right? Guide them instead of lead them astray. Can we commit to do that? That is the difference between the wise man and the fool. I'm going to come back because we have a lot to unpack regarding your friends that we haven't even talked about, okay? I got a little overzealous this morning, okay? We're going to unpack friendship. How many of you have friends? How many of you love having friends, right? No one likes not having friends. Well, thankfully, God's given us wisdom of how to have good, meaningful, productive friendships, okay? You already have the notes. We'll revisit that and unpack it in detail going forward, okay? I also gave you some questions at the end of it. I want you to spend some time this week to be asking and thinking through those. That's kind of homework, okay? Because I know Asher loves homework. Okay? So, that's your homework this week. Excellent. Anyone have any questions before I close in prayer? You guys are thinking about donuts. I know you are. Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you have not only offered salvation, but, Lord, you did not then... Hurl us into a world of existence and leave us without a guide, without instruction, without wisdom. You, you've given us a helper inside of us, the Holy Spirit, who brings to mind these things. You convict us of sin. You direct us towards righteousness. You grow us in your likeness. We thank you for this measure of grace you extend to us. And, Lord, we ask that you would continue to grow and expand. And develop our fear, our our awe and wonder and admiration and respect and reverence towards you. Because we know your word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Lord. And there's great blessing with walking life in a way which is wise. Which is a way that is according to, Lord, how you have prescribed your design. Anytime we deviate from that, we know both from experience that it doesn't lead to much good in our life. But you also unpack that and expound on that even in your word? It leads to one's ruin. So, God, we pray that you would safeguard us from the way of folly. Make us wise individuals so that our lives would be pleasing and honoring and useful unto you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.